Ashton, Ashton, Ashton Media. We kind of have this phrase called addressable creative. It's doing some pretty interesting, innovative stuff with campaigns that take this wonderful creative canvas of the big screen and work it really hard with data and technology. Hello, I'm Gavin Stewart, Marketing Director and Co-Founder of Ashton Media and the host of this new Ashton Cast series, Video Fast Forward, brought to you by our friends at Pubmatic. These are short, sharp stories and solutions to the biggest challenges in marketing, advertising, media and CX. Please make sure to subscribe, rate and comment and tell anyone you know that is interested in this industry about this podcast and your favourite episode. You can find Ashton Cast on all of the major podcast players. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Go to ashtonmedia.com.au forward slash ashtoncast for more info. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of AshtonCast. I'm here with Nicola Lewis, who is the Chief Investment Officer of Group M, Australia and New Zealand. Welcome, Nicola. How are you going? Thank you. Yeah, great. Thank you. Great to be here and to see you in person. It's brilliant, isn't it? COVID safe, but to see you in person. It's so good to be back in the studio rather than doing this over a Zoom screen. There's just something about having a conversation with people where it's not like a computer screen in front of you. It's quite interesting. You don't quite know how to act, do you, now eventually? Yeah. So what do we do here? How does this whole thing work? We've only been doing it for like 20 plus years in our careers, right? So we've got to get back to it. Arm's length. No, good to see you. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolute pleasure, Nick. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, gosh. Uh, Yeah, Nick Lewis. Um, 45, originally from London, um, been working uh, and living in Australia now for uh, 18, 17, 18 years. Wow. It's a long yeah. time. Yep, yep, yep. What brought um, you out here originally? You know, I actually came to Australia traveling. So okay. I, I'd, I'd left my poor mother home with a backpack and, uh, well, not her with the backpack, me with the backpack. <laughs> Off I went with the backpack. She wasn't in the backpack, was she? She wasn't definitely, she would have been in the backpack if she, if she, <laughs> she had her way. She was not in the backpack. Um, came, came traveling and, and actually traveled around the world for a year and wow. got to Australia as the last stop and, um, just never really made it home. Well, no, not really, just never made it home. <laughs> Double back to, um, to Thailand, uh, got a dodgy suit made on the Kosan Road to come back and do job interviews, uh, redid my visa wow. and here I am. And then I think about six months later, I had to make the, the call to my mum to say, I'm not coming back. Oh mom. my goodness. So yeah. Poor old mum. Oh, I know, bless her. But uh, yeah, no, made a really good life out here. Live uh, live at Tamarama. Oh, beautiful. By the beach, which was glorious this morning. Um and uh, live there with my husband, Cape Tonian, called Andrew, and and three fur babies that we have. Oh, um, gorgeous! I used yeah. to live in Tamarama myself. It's such a beautiful spot. It's amazing. Such a beautiful. It's spot. amazing. You wake up every morning, and and literally the sky is blue, and the crazy surfers are out there. You know, come hell or high water, doesn't really matter what the weather conditions are. But yeah, it's it's really really nice. Um, and then yeah, I've been working in media really for my my entire career. So about twenty two years wow. in media as as a whole. 17 years media owner side, so um, on the dark side, depending upon which side you are <laughs> on the time or at the time. So, And, and then five years most recently uh, over at Group M, oh, cool. first at Mindshare and now at Group M. So, 
Yeah. Fantastic. And so how did you fall into the media or was it something you sort of planned on, on getting into? No, I didn't act. Well, yes, sorry. Yes, I fell into it. I think pretty much most people of my generation did fall into media. Mm. Um, a lot now obviously come through um, having marketing degrees, et cetera, um, because it's it's become quite, um, cool. you know, prolific profession. Mm, yeah. yeah. You know, back in my day, it, I mean, it was and it wasn't, but you certainly fell into it. So I was actually studying social psychology at uh, Sussex University mm-hmm. in, in England and um, I was living in halls of residence as a as a as a colleague halls of residence um, with with a guy whose uh, whose dad was actually the publisher of Vogue cool. and um, I pretty much just asked for a job sort of pushing paper and accepting faxes which you had back in those days yeah faxes I uh, remember them oh yes oh, oh yeah. my goodness had no idea and orders to- coming in <laughs> I had no idea how to use it. I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, huh? Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, just just started in sales that way and um, worked in the Vogue sales office, then uh, then moved over to, actually to a very different environment to, to, to News Corp yeah, wow. in the UK, working on the Sun and News of the World. So big, big newspapers, which were, were very in them, very different to Vogue. Yeah, yeah. The Vogue, the Vogue team were, were pretty surprised when I handed my notes in, couldn't understand quite why. I don't I can understand quite why, but anyway, <laughs> it was a really great move. Had a great time and then yeah, moved over here and um and so yeah, definitely, definitely fell into it. But it's been but but then my career since then's been very purposeful. Yeah, I was gonna say so I mean you've been doing it for a long time, right? So what do you love about what you do? I have to say, and um this isn't supposed to sound cheesy in any way, but it really is about the people. You know, mm-hmm. you and I have just sat here and said it's really great to, you know, see see one another yeah. and, and have contact. You know, that's one of the amazing things about working in media and advertising is you get to meet so many amazing people as you go along in your career. Mm-hmm. And 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 we are built on uh, this this industry is built on on having an understanding of how people work and, and getting the best out of each other. Yep. And certainly as as I think as you grow up in your career, you then have your people that that sort of come up under you and, and they bring a different capability. And, and, and a different thinking pattern to, to the industry and and therefore you constantly learn. Um, and so I think that's one thing for me that's super important uh, and that I love about the industry is I never, ever stop learning. And particularly being agency side mm-hmm. where you're literally um, you're across filter, everything. filter, right? You're like a filter in a, in a way between all the technology and all the offerings and everything between, you, you know, the agency and the client, right? Pretty much, pretty much. You know, the role is to is to make sure that you look at a client's, um, you know, marketing uh, goals or marketing, uh, yeah, marketing goals, you know, what they're wanting to achieve, core KPIs, how do you build a campaign around that, how do you deliver that across media? So that there's there's no one element, you know, it's kind of this wonderful collection of, of, of all elements, all channels. Um, you know, and therefore you, you you get to meet a lot of people from a lot of diverse areas of the industry as you go along. And and I think, um, you know, even more so in the role I'm in now working at Group M, an organisation that I've worked for for five years. And, and I have to say unequivocally, I really do love working for. Um, and particularly during COVID, you know, we've done a lot of calls, a lot of Teams calls, a lot of Zoom mm-hmm. calls, uh, and had this really, really strong connection to the globe and to the right. region. And to be able to work sort of hand in glove with the region and the globe as you go through something that's as big as a pandemic, mm-hmm. um, but just on a day-to-day level, you know, what are the insights they're garnering from each of each of their territories? How do we learn from China? What do we see happening in the States and the UK? How do we pull that into our market? How do I tap into some brilliant brains that mm. exist around the globe? 
It's all that type intel, of thing. It, really? Yeah, it really is. And and that for me is 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 you know sort of what I ultimately love about what I do. Yeah, fantastic. And um, you know, I think that leads us really nicely onto onto the next question, which is around um, you know a great TV advertising campaign that you remember from when you were a kid. You know, can you can just describe it in detail? So you know, there are two actually. There's one back when I was quite young, and then there was one that was more recent, sort of um, in 2013. The one as I was growing up was the um, the Hamlet campaign, so a cigar called Hamlet, uh, where there was a really, let's call him a relatively unassuming character sitting in a photo booth trying to get his hair right ready for the for the picture to be, sp- to be taken. I'm sure anyone that has seen it will remember his name was Gregor Fisher, and he went on to um, star in a, in sort of a, a UK sitcom called Rabsy Nesbitt. It was hilarious. It was pure brilliance. Um, it was comedic and and it led to a whole um, sort of a tranche of, of, of a cigar called um, series for Hamlet. So <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it. Do you know the one I mean? I it had I that think, amazing... Well, I think because I, I grew up in Australia, right? So perhaps I, you know, okay. I didn't see that one. But Anyone I can imagine, I can see the connection it. that you have with it, though. It's a beautiful thing. It's hilarious. The, the other one, though, and again, you're, you're going to get you get the theme here. It's sort of around the UK thing. And, and, and this campaign actually, Won, won a young lion back in 2013 um, and it was the Marmite series which was the Save Marmite and it was basically trying to save um, you know uh, abused uh, jars of Marmite <laughs> and Marmite for those of you that don't know like is the Vegemite version which I have to say is way nicer than Vegemite Ooh, I know I am an Australian citizen I'm also been a UK resident, so I feel like I can say it, but I'm calling it Marmite better. <laughs> anyway, um, it's Save Marmite campaign, brilliant, executed incredibly well, again, really funny. So th- those are my two. And they, what I'm seeing there is they stood out because they were really funny, right? Is for me, they did. Them? Yes, for me, they did. They, they made me chuckle pretty oh. much the whole way through them. And so let, let's let's flip it to a different kind of media and let's talk about a great web banner ad that you can remember. And that is a tough question. <laughs> and I know that, that I know that's meant to be a tough question. Maybe. <laughs> Do you know? So what's interesting about that is that um I worked at News Digital Media partway through my career, mm-hmm. um, which was amazing. And it was it was relatively in in the relatively early days of, you know, let's call it sophisticated digital media, um, if there is such a thing. <laughs> and so when I actually think about that question, I think about categories, which is a bit weird. So I remember back then, that would have been like 2007, 2008. And when I think about banner advertising, I think about the categories that did it really well, really early on in the piece. Finance categories did it really well. Automotive categories did it really well, and they were the type of categories that kind of were really, uh, you know, kind of let, let's call them um, early adopters of mm-hmm. digital media. Now, again, I can't specifically think of one that stands out, but I think probably the um, the combination of creativity and innovation in banners. So you know when everyone moved from you know banners through to like skins and yep. homepage takeovers, yep. sure you know, do. and yep. all of the interest. Well, to remember that. That, yep. yeah. Yep. So yep. that combined with really good creative, that's yep. when you start to really, that's when I start to really remember good digital banner ads. It can but pull the emotive triggers, right? Because Pretty you know, much. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, pretty much, Very pretty much. 
what ads you ever saw come into discussions you had with your friends and family growing up and do you have anything you can share about those discussions? I do it now actually. I do it now. I have to say, you know, can I actually really love that festival every year and I love seeing the work every year and I get a real kick out of seeing the brilliance um, and the creative thinking that surfaces from um, around the world and takes cultural nuance into account and really um, understands the audience the ads are trying to talk to. And so, you know, for me, it's about the emotion. It's the emotion behind the creativity. I think when you see a really powerful ad, even if it's funny, it's the fact that you sit there and and and, and you're left like you with feel something. something, right? Absolutely, yeah. you know. Or it's trying to give you, you know, a really solid mess message. Maybe not too earnestly, but actually, maybe, maybe with a lot of seriousness around it. Um, but I think an ad that gets the tone right and executes beautifully from a creative perspective and is placed in the right environment. Mm-hmm. So I actually do talk about that quite a lot. And, and, and you know, when I am lucky enough to go overseas to France, you know, Water Spikes Festival Creativity is another great example, mm-hmm. um, you know, and have a look at the work that comes through. It's always about the emotional angle to it. Absolutely. And I bet you missed Khan or Can. Can, Khan. I, I always get told Can't which way is that. I know. I just, that's why I always just say both. <laughs> so I guess <laughs> you, you always missed, win that, that, missed way. that one this year, right? Did you did you do the online thing or? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I thought it was really great the way that that was executed um, online. I do think there's something about being there in person and yep. enjoying the, uh, you know, notwithstanding the Roseanne, I, t- I actually, I'd, I'd seriously <laughs> put that that bit to a side, yeah. you know, actually going in and seeing the festival, um, you know, and looking at the work is, um, it's quite amazing. And it is a wonderful time to celebrate our industry. It's the best of the best in the world, right? It is. You know, all in, all in the one spot. And there's, I personally think there's nothing like humans being together. Like we were designed, you know, as, as animals to be together. That's why this whole thing is is so difficult yeah you know, because we're really missing out on a lot of the stuff that we're we're very very used to yeah so yeah I can't wait for my first gig man I miss the cinema gosh <laughs> <laughs> well I know and haven't they just done a trial in Germany over multiple like three yeah, scenarios of being that. able to do a concert that was, that was pretty don't know the results of it yet but it was pretty good pretty cool we'll, we'll get there we'll get there eventually <laughs> and um you know switching things up a little bit here so do you have any concerns about advertising client products on OTT and CTV platforms? When I talk about CTV, I'm talking about the connected television uh, and the device itself. And then um, specific to that, we talk often a lot about BVOD, which is obviously the sort of the the mechanic um, of of inventory and and advertising within that platform. Um, So and again, we 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 work extensively with all of our clients in in these areas. I mean, if I pull it back a step uh, and to the point about being concerned around those environments, no, it mm-hmm. is the answer. Um, <clears throat> you know, we uh, as Group M globally and locally sort of came out. Oh, it would have been about three years ago, starting to talk about the role of television and the importance of television. And when I say that, I'm talking about the importance of content and the investment that's made in content, quality content across the board, you know, whether you're thinking 9, 7, 10, SBS, Foxtel. Mm-hmm. Um, but being able to allow television to um, become not reinvented as such, but play at both ends of the funnel. Mm-hmm. So 
play in the brand space, you know, in the typical linear TV environment mm. as it was then, and also at the bottom of the funnel, sort of in the performance space, and being able to really target through the funnel uh, within the, the the sort of big screen environment. Um, you know, and so what we actually did was we've built a company um, around um, – Addressable TV mm -hmm. or advanced television, uh, yep. whichever whichever you want to call it, mm -hmm. that's all anchored to the connected TV and and, and to BVOD within that. Um, and so that's actually a company called Finecast. That, as, as I said, we launched about two years ago. We were the second only country um, around the world. Go Australia! Uh, to launch, Come go, on. go Australia! <laughs> we really were. And you know, um, the 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 company was built in the UK. And um, it launched uh, the beginning of this year in Canada as well. Obviously, they sort of uh, it's it's been uh, it's been an interesting year for those guys launching a new proposition yeah, wow, in tough a year, year to launch anything, right? of COVID. Yeah. What's been really interesting is that as you know, TV audiences have increased, mm -hmm. and as BVOD demand has increased, and as consumers have started to co started to consume more content yeah. across more more platforms in more genres, um, it's really allowed the proposition um, to build out heavily. So no, we I, I don't have concern in it. Um, I think I would be concerned if um, a client or we as their media agency hadn't thought through or hadn't considered three things. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, when you're talking about OTT or CTV or BVOD, whatever um, whatever acronym you, know, you want to throw acronym you, you <laughs> want to use so ott obviously being over the top um you know you have to uh you have to start with a very clear screen strategy yeah so what are you wanting to do um you know across screens within the household we hold very firm to the fact that you know the 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 major screen in the household, the big screen is is king of the screens. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think with the increased consumption of connected TVs, um, not only that, you know, we did see an increase in people going out and buying connected TVs, particularly during COVID. We also saw quite a lovely phenomenon of people that had connected TVs in their home spending time actually working out how they worked to, how to their use full them capability. Yeah, right. Yeah. Cool. And in actual fact, that is a thing. And I, and I heard it from a well-known source uh, the other week that, that that I think there's been like a 75% increase in, in, in people who already have a CTV actually learning to use the CTV, Brilliant. the connected so TV. So they found their manual somewhere. So it's like, oh, that's what it does. <laughs> wow. Um, now, now that now that's a great thing, right? You know, and I think that's what advanced television about is is about. And so you, you know, if you don't have a solid screen strategy um, that enables you not to just think about BVOD as digital, mm -hmm. you know, it can't just be sort of an adjunct to small screens, yep. um, but think about it on the big screen. Connected television are the king of screens, yep. um, you know, and, and therefore you know you 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 can develop solid media strategies for the smaller screen and the big screen. Sure. I'd be concerned if someone didn't have clarity around that. Yep. Um, I think the other area I'd be concerned in was if, um, you know, there hadn't been consideration put into the viewing experience. So, mm -hmm. you know, with connected television, television's um, new targeting um, capabilities and ad formats, you've got to be really careful of the viewing experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So back to backs. For example, back-to-back -back ads, it's not No cool. one likes them, do they? No one likes them. And no. it's really obvious because yeah. there's less of them. Yep. Um, so I think, you know, you also have to be very clear on your, on your um, you know, your kind of viewing experience and, and what that is, you know. 
I think the other thing is as well, um, I would have concerns if we as a client's media agency or a client wasn't thinking about what the creative experience was. Sure. Yeah. And it's coming back to what you were saying earlier. The beautiful thing about television is it's this wonderful creative canvas. Big. It's impactful. <clears throat> it sits in the center of the house. Yep. Like it, it plays a really solid role from a societal perspective as well. Yeah. You know, if you want to go down that route, you can. It yep. brings the household together. You know, we definitely, again, during COVID, we saw this notion of the big screen pulling the household back together. Um, you know, then you've got to think about creativity. Mm. So what you can't do is go, yes, great, I'm going to venture into addressable TV. I'm going to allow my brand to play in, in, in the top of the funnel brand and the bottom of the funnel performance. And, and the only thing I'm going to look at is changing the end frame. Yeah, for some, for some brands that's right, mm -hmm. you know, changing the end frame so it picks up the, the location or the proximity of a postcode. But it's not as effective, right? <clears throat> It's not as effective. I mean, it can, well, it can be. It can be if you're getting it right in the context of the rest of the creative. And okay. I'll tell you, so it was actually, uh, you know, a little, a little story last week. I was actually speaking to a client of ours at Group M. And this client is in Melbourne um, and has been on lockdown for, mm -hmm. for you know, a long three, time. four weeks mm -hmm. already. Um, and it's quite frankly, you know, sick of being in lockdown yep. as, as likely most Melbournians are. And, uh, and was watching television and saw an ad that had obviously been filmed at St Kilda Beach previous to yep. the lockdown and had people sat outside cafes drinking coffee, enjoying the sun. Uh, and it, it stirred up really negative emotions for that person because they were like, why would you do that? We can't do that now. Yeah. And that's what I mean. You know, if you're going to have the ability to serve creative that's targeted to an audience where you can be flexible, do it. Get it right. So again, I think, and get it right, yeah. you know, because um, more and more, you know, you don't think, you, someone might sit there and think, oh, well, I don't understand why that would matter. To this person, it really mattered, which yeah. means it would matter to, to others, to other Absolutely. consumers. Um, so no, you can see I don't because I think that, you know, connected TV, I think the growth of BVOD, the attention the broadcasters are putting into BVOD um, is, uh, is, is, is really quite incredible. Are there concerns you have about brand safety which you feel aren't being heard by the ad industry? I think our industry does a good job. I genuinely do. And I say that also from, from the lens of Group M. You know, we have for many, many years now taken brand safety, viewability, IVT, another acronym, invalid traffic, mm -hmm. fraud, et cetera, et cetera, incredibly seriously. We've always pushed above and beyond industry standards will set the tone of what we feel is viable in terms of viewability and we will our clients will pay based on that. Brand safety is incredibly important. And what we therefore do as a group is, is we work with a lot of reputable, well-known third-party providers, mm -hmm. whether it be the likes of a motor or a grape shop or a grape shot or IAS. So I do think our industry takes it pretty seriously. Um, you know, I do think it's been ingrained in our in our industry. We have quite a vocal trade press yep. um, as well, which which serves to, to keep us all honest. Mm -hmm. um, and in actual fact, I kind of look at brand safety now within the walls of my world mm -hmm. at Group M as kind of business as usual. We That's have good. to do it. Um, you know, we have Big to do it. Big improvement over the years, would you say? 
big improvement over the years. Mm-hmm. And kudos to all of the media vendors that have gone on the journey with us, <clears throat> because at the very early stages, you know, it, it, it did it meant quite a lot of change to a lot of media vendors' sites. Let's say, um, and and but but you but you do it. You go with them, and and you kind of want to sort of walk alongside them. Um, I think it's interesting, you know, the whole thing about uh, you know then how do, what does brand safety look like as you move, you know, across channels and, and out purely of the digital space. Sure. Um, and again, I think one of the one of the great things about Bvod is is you're talking about a closed environment. Mm. You know, you're talking about working with reputable broadcasters who who have incredibly smart content creators and VPs of content within their business who curate, procure content based on what they know about their consumers and their audience. Mm -hmm. You have an SSP, you have a DSP. It's controlled, yeah. Yep. So it's a kind of closed. not like the wild, wild west of the internet, right? No, <laughs> <laughs> crazy internet, <laughs> exactly. Um, so I think I think that's um, you know I, th- I, th- I think that that's interesting and, and and that's a good thing to take into consideration. But yeah, I do. I, I think the industry does take it seriously. Well, great, well done, industry. I think that's that's fantastic. Pat on the back. Pat on the Pat back. On the back. Pat on the back. <laughs> and what's been a rough year for everyone. So so looking forward, Nick. Are there any ways? you can think of to tell stories and generate excitement on OTT platforms which weren't possible on traditional TV and can you give us some examples yeah sure I can actually I think I think there are two there are two uh, layers to, to, to this answer the first is actually pulling it back to again the device the inventory, um, the content. Mm -hmm. And if you think about what I said earlier about the notion of television playing now in the top and bottom of the funnel, so brand and performance or brand and demand, whichever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. and the fact that you can now do that and you can have a high degree of um, creativity. So we kind of have this phrase called addressable creative. And essentially what it's doing is, is it's doing some some pretty interesting, innovative um, stuff with campaigns mm-hmm. that take the creative canvas of the big screen, of the you know the, the, the sort of, of the 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 king of the king house, of the, screen, the king of the screen. Have you got my message? <laughs> the king of the house, the big screen in the household. Yep. This wonderful creative canvas, and working it really hard with data and technology. You know, so you can start to look at location creative, lo- location sensitive creative. So a couple of examples, you know, in the automotive category, you know, really being able to hone in, um, you know, on dealerships, you know, and really being able to hone in on, on those postcodes where you know that there's a high, high propensity to buy a certain automotive. Um, you know, certain make or model, but also if you think, then flip it on 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 its head. Retail environments, you know, really wanting to focus in on a certain kilometre radius, but make sure that they can still have that wonderful, beautiful TV creative shown, but but sort of directing to the location. Or you're a you're you know a premium, you know, watch watch um, business company where really you know that that. High-end postcode in Mosman is pretty much where ninety-five percent of your consumers might be, you know, mm-hmm. and you can target accordingly. But again, with that wonderful creative canvas, so I actually think it's almost, you know, pulling it back and just saying, you know, advanced TV does allow, um, you know, this 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 lovely notion of getting a flexible creative messaging um, in the right right environments. If I'm a consumer 
Do I find that creepy or do you think it enhances my experience? What are your thoughts there? If you get it right, and this is the whole thing about when you think about an ad campaign and when you think about media, you know, of course, a huge portion of what you do is about the media placement, mm-hmm. but there's also a significant portion that's about the creative messaging. Sure. So it is it is that tension of getting it right and thinking about it, which was to my point earlier, you know, you'd, you can't as a brand just go down the route going, you know, the, the only thing I'm going to do is, is just simply change the end frame. Now you can do that because it will be relevant. You know, if you've got a price point or you're directing you know, someone in Bondi, you know, to, 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 um, you know, a location that's going to give you them extra value, then, then fine, then so be it. And that's great. Um, but I think it's the thinking about it in the first instance. Um, you know, which again are kind of lessons you can learn from digital. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think the other thing is, and th- and this kind of goes for for any sort of new environments that are on the big screen or across screens, is is just thinking about how do you get extensions beyond the screen itself. So, you know, brand solutions, and certainly this would be the case for SVODs, as obviously you know you can't appear in a number of SVODs in the marketplace. But how do you get around that? You know, because it can't mean that there's just no route in there. So, brand solutions, whether that be integration of brand partnerships. Um, leveraging a portfolio um, IP to tell brand stories, you know, really getting involved with studios and franchises, um, omni-platform consumer experience, digital TV elements, you know, of that network. You know, if you do think about something like Di- Disney Plus, you know, the huge amounts of IP, um, you know, and that omni-platform consumer experience that they can deliver. You've got promotional models, co-branded marketing, experiential. So I, I think there are there are quite a a few additional routes in. So it's yep. kind of like for me, it feels like there's those two. Sure. It's thinking outside the square into the more experiential omni channel, mm-hmm. leveraging IP, et cetera, um, and then just really harnessing the data and technology in a creative way. Netflix, Stan, Disney Plus, et cetera, et cetera. They don't have ads yep. at the moment, right? Yeah. Do you think there will come a day when some of those players actually do have ads? And, and if so, when do you think it might be? I think that's a million-dollar question, and that's one that everyone would love to have answered. <laughs> Look, arguably, a lot of it's predicated on the business model that the proposition started out being based on. So if you take something like Hulu, Hulu did start out as an ad proposition, you know, where you have a, a subscriber and you have a, you know, a, a sort of free model. Like Spotify, right? That kind of vibe. Exactly, sure. exactly. You know, and I think in Australia, certainly um, Australians have proven that they will pay for quality content across a number of platforms, whether that be digital subscriptions, you know, across um, you know, papers, AFR, the Australian, et cetera, or whether it be in a Spotify environment. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we are loving our SVODs as well, mm-hmm. um, our streaming video on demand. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to come down to predicated largely on, on, on the initial business model and the need to have advertising because this is my point I think where you don't have that you can still look at things like character appearances you can still look at things like leveraging um, you know sponsorships within within program itself sure. and doing it in the right way that is respectful you know to the consumer and obviously to to, to the format itself um, I think you know interestingly the future TV forum obviously we again we we had that over here literally just before COVID hit and um you know, there was a lot of research that was shown there about the fact that globally people will hit a bit of a ceiling in terms of the number of SBODs that they'll want to to buy into. And I think that that 
you know, in itself uh, will, will, will be almost a dictation. Like a self, of, of self-regulation, whether, right? Kind of, yeah. Sure. Yeah, 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 exactly. So uh, it's time to change it up a little bit here, Nick. So we're going to get into some uh, some fun, lighthearted questions here. So who would you look up to as a, a mentor or role model or muse in the industry? Okay, so I'm going to go I've, – I've had a few actually in my career. I've had a few in my career and um, probably one of the people who had um, a really big impact uh, on me coming up through my career was actually a guy called um, Ed Smith. And um, I worked with Ed back when I was at News Digital Media and Ed is uh, now works at Amazon um, sort of in a, an, a MIA role. Um, and Ed was also CMO at one point at Foxtel. Um, and Ed was a wonderfully uh, smart, incredibly bright marketer um, who was also very consistent, very fair, and, and I learned a hell of a lot, um, a lot from. I've also then um, really loved spending time with, uh, as I say, sort of our global um our global talent, dare I call them. Um, so Rob Norman, who used to be our chief digital officer. Yeah, I've group, come across Rob before, yeah. He's been out here. He used to love yeah. his trips out here. Yep. I think he was felt like he'd done 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 something amazing by getting on a flight for 24 hours to come to <laughs> Australia, and we should all pat him on the back. But um, just wonderful, like a <clears throat> wonderfully energetic approach to our industry and, and you know, very positive about our industry and always wanting to lean into our industry um, and help where he could. Um and then, of course, you know, working with with wonderful, uh, wonderful women, dare I say it, um, mm-hmm. the likes of Katie Rigsmith. Mm-hmm. You know, so I started working with Katie Rigsmith uh, when I was uh, mindshare. Uh, when I left, uh, when I left, uh, vendor side mm-hmm. and Katie is, uh, is, is one of our industries, incredibly smart, um, arguably one of the best strategists uh, in our industry. And she yep. would absolutely hate me saying that, <laughs> but, um, I learned a lot from her, a right. lot from her. You know, our minds work in very different ways, but it's actually really wonderful to work with someone where you, where, where your minds do work in very different ways. Yeah, I so agree. There've definitely been a few, definitely been a few in my career. Fantastic. And um, so what books, podcasts, media are you consuming right now that's that's helping you with your day-to-day work? Yeah. So uh, at the moment, I I actually really quite enjoy the Simon Sinek series, um, Leaders Eat Last. He's so great. yeah, he's really good. Um, and I really am a bit of a fan of um, leadership books. But I also really delve into um, fiction territory. It's kind of my release. Mm. So that definitely helps me. It doesn't help me learn or, or you know, sort of give me additional knowledge in my role. I think it helps with your creative brain though, 100%. It helps with my creative brain. The other thing I do do is I do meditate. So I've actually just learned to meditate, which has been really, really amazing. So I meditate twice a day, which is really good for my headspace. It really is. I didn't think I could do it, hence doing a course. And now now I realize I can meditate. Yeah. Um, and so for me, that's really quite important. You know, the day is 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 really busy. You know, we are all working very, very hard. So just to have that escapism. Um, I am a John Grisham fan. Don't hate me for it. That's fine. John Grisham's His brilliant. His novels are all slightly similar. It's okay. Um, so but it's like again, Dean Koontz, Stephen King, <laughs> <it's>, you know. <laughs> they're all the same. They're all the same. But um, but actually just, yeah, just escapism. I don't mind it. 
with meditation, how do you feel like pre and post? Because you've obviously got quite a big job. There's a lot of people reporting into you. Mm. You'd be doing like back-to-back Zooms all day. You yeah. must come off that just feeling exhausted. Yeah. So how do you feel different like compared to pre and post? Do you notice the difference? Do you well, think? I do now because I've also – part of learning to meditate as opposed to – I chose to learn to meditate instead of just doing an app. So mm-hmm. I did it with a human, um, which was amazing. Always the and, best and, humans, aren't and, they? <laughs> humans are so, so underrated. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's about the setup as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's about uh, not meditating after you've had a cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, meditate after you've done a workout. Like it's it's about finding the right environment. Mm-hmm. So I typically at the moment, as I'm new to it as well, because I still am in the learning How zone. How long have you been doing it for? Uh, about three weeks now. Oh, wow. Good on you. I know. So I get up in the morning, I wake up and I sit up in bed and I meditate. Fantastic. And then I start my day. Um, and then I finish my day and I literally will just give myself about five minutes downtime just to regulate heart because it's interesting. First time I did meditation coming off the back of my last Zoom call of the day, my heart rate was so high yep. just because it had been busy. Yeah. Um, but I was so aware of it. So regulate and then – so it's typically I try and do it sort of around 6.30 yep. before dinner and first thing in the morning. Brilliant. I, I love it. I I've been meditating for – about how I feel. Oh, have you? You do it. Seven years now. Oh, twice so a day? Once a day in the evening. I used to be a morning meditator and I used to do it in my commute. But obviously I'm not commuting the same way I was before. I used to do it on the ferry from Manly to the city. Yeah, right. 20 minutes, just headphones on and just, you know, calm down. And the difference between – because I've got quite a, like, wild brain. Yeah. And the difference between uh, that, like, pre and post is absolutely monumental. And now what I do at night is as soon as I get home from work, I go into uh, a room that we've painted dark and put a candle on, shut the door – Headphones on, 20 minutes, and my goodness, the difference is absolutely phenomenal. It's quite – it really is, isn't it? Yeah, it yes. really is. To anyone out there listening, I mean, I, I definitely would say it, it's been it's been a lovely game changer, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. I have to – I want to be like you, seven years down the line, still be doing it because it's that it has to become habitual. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and I walk out back into the living room like – Hey, baby, I'm all zen, yeah. I'm all zen now. What's Should wrong with everyone? Should we some Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. So what trend are you most excited about in advertising? I think the one we've just spoken about, actually. Um, I think advanced television Mm -hmm. and the scale of that across the globe. And why I say that is if you look at every market, it's got a nuance, it's different. You know, the German TV market is very different to – USA, which mm-hmm. is primarily cable, which is very different to the UK and here, um, and even APAC, you know, and I think to watch um, advanced television, data-driven TV explode around the globe, it's going to be super, super interesting. Um, and I think what you'll then find is you'll see it expand into, you know, let's call out of broadcasters, you know, into the likes of what does it look like if if you're working with an Optus or a Fetch or a Telstra or, you know, even into eSports. Mm-hmm. So I think that there are many, many layers you can, you can go down into. So I think that's probably um, a big one for me. I think here um, – in Australia as well, super, super excited actually about watching, um, let's call them uh, historically more, more traditional channels like mm-hmm. radio and out of home really propel. Now, if you think about out of home, 
moving into programmatic space. You know, you're doing what we've just spoken about, being able to use a a beautifully large, wonderful creative canvas um, and apply data and technology to it. Um, And I think, you know, the out-of-home, our out-of-home partners here across the board are are taking that really seriously. And then I think also audio, you know, so total audio. What what, what does your brand sound like? You know, what's that kind of sonic branding? You think about podcasts. Yep, absolutely. You know, um, digital audio. So, yeah, I think, you know, obviously, therefore, I've said pretty much everything. (laughs) It's really exciting. Uh, But I think you just love what you do so much that you can't help it, right? Yeah, I know. Don't judge. (laughs) So, converse to that, Nick. What's the one trend in the industry that you wish would change or stop? I just feel quite close to this. I feel, as you can tell, I love what I do. Mm -hmm. I love the people I work with and I love our industry. You know, I think we are on the precipice of innovation the whole time. Um, And I think if you look around the world and if you look around locally, we're super, super lucky to work in this industry. Um, Sometimes the negativity in our industry um, makes me frustrated and makes me sad. Mm. It makes me a bit annoyed. Um, You know, I think that, you know, when you look at Australia and you look at the level of sophistication we have as an industry and we can do great things, I just, I'm not a fan of picking up any trade publications and seeing um, negativity in the industry, um, particularly if if it's not purposeful. Yeah. Who does it benefit? It doesn't really benefit anyone. Mm. And, you know, you've got to go with that. You know, we're better together. We're better as a collective. You know, just come together and, 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 um, celebrate each other's wins. That. So, yeah, I, I, I think the, often the, the negativity that we have in our industry, um, and a degree of criticism probably just isn't required and, and isn't healthy. Okay. Yeah. Great answer. So, Nick, one more question and then you're off the hook. It's been brilliant, by the way. I've really enjoyed (laughs) my time with you. Um, So, what is being binged at home on any platform? What what are you guys getting into? Okay. So, uh, big, big, big fans of drama. Um, do love, sorry, UK drama. That's right. Um, also <laughs> love, I, I'm English, I'm allowed to. I do also love Nordic Noir. So, uh, you know, things like The Bridge. Oh, right. Dark. Really love it. Um, <laughs> what have we watched recently that I've totally loved? Uh, probably one of my most favorite things has been Succession. Love Succession. Mm-hmm. Um, brilliant, brilliant. So really looking forward to season three of Succession coming out. Uh, recently uh, tapped back into the latest Luther series, um, which obviously is great as well. Yep. Uh, the, uh, but we also do have some random ones in my household. Like The Masked Singer. I do actually really like The Masked yeah, Singer. So do I. I know. It's great. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's, great. <laughs> it's great. You said it. No, it's actually really good. I really our, enjoy our it. Our dirty little secret is out. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy it. Um, no, what are the other things? So uh, I'm made uh, frequently to watch Forged in Fire. Never I don't seen even know it. what that is. Yeah, it's on Foxtel. Okay. It's basically um, guys, uh, bladesmiths making knives. Brilliant. Yeah, my husband absolutely loves it. I've been I've been forced to watch it for literally the last six months while I've been at home, and I actually quite enjoy it now. So, yes. <laughs> what did you learn in COVID? I learned how to make a lot, swords. I learned how to forge. <laughs> 
<laughs> Forge a knife. That's weird. Um, yeah, and then uh, I think the most recent random one is we happened across the Great British Sewing Bee what the other is day. That? I know, I know. I think maybe you might have to edit all this stuff out, lest people think I'm a total weirdo. Um, but as you can see, we kind of oscillate between random reality and um, you know, sort of Nordic, Swedish, hard hitting UK There's drama. A vast palette of choices there, and that's brilliant. And with yes. that, I would like to say thank you very much for your time today. Nicola Lewis. You're more than welcome. Thank you for having me. This is the last episode of the Video Fast Forward series. Feel free to go back and listen to the first episode of this series to get a full understanding of everything. This Ashton Car series was proudly brought to you by our friends at Pubmatic. Again, please make sure to subscribe rate, comment, and tell anyone that you know that is interested in this industry about this podcast and your favourite episode. You can find AshtonCast on all of the major podcast players, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Go to ashtonmedia.com.au slash AshtonCast for more info. This episode was produced in collaboration with Ashton Media and Podpaste here in Sydney, Australia. Executive produced by Gavin Stewart and the team at Pubmatic. Supervising producer, Darren Lake. Audio production, sound design and engineering by Eamon Connolly. Story writing producer, Aidan Mullins. And podcast management by Michelle Lee. Ashton, Ashton, Ashton Media.